the beginning of this last installation, I Am Not What I Might Be, started at really my junior show because you have to sort of, it's like you work toward a piece in that one too, and then you have a group show. And that was This Is the Silence of Astounded Souls. There's only the moon involved in phosphorus. It was like the biggest thing I'd made up until that point, which was like this giant wall drawing. And it was really, it started to feel more environmental. Like there's a figure in a space, you know, whatever that space is with sort of these drippy trees and whatnot. And that's when I started working on Duralar. It was all India ink on Duralar at that point. So it was one material and then this new material. And I was basically doing what I had been doing in charcoal, which is these really detailed drawings. And I just did the same thing in ink on this more durable material that let me sort of cut out all these pieces and then rearrange them. And so it was like I was still drawing, but then having sort of all these movable parts, like it wasn't fixed in this space of the paper. And so the wall became my paper. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 233rd episode, I'm very excited to be joined by Meredith Matthews, who is one of our 2020 student competition winners, selected by our juror, Tim Kowalczyk. So we're very excited to feature her. As I was just saying, Meredith graduated recently from Eastern Oregon University, where we spoke. We talk all about her work, which explores a variety of different materials and subjects that include the figure, various environments, landscapes, and how they work singularly, but how they also came together as part of an installation in her garage. So please stay tuned for that. We're very excited to feature her. And make sure you give her a follow on Instagram. That's M-E-R-E-S-I-1919. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, go and visit studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of artists up there, each with interviews about their work, as well as links to their websites, images of their work. And of course, be sure and subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. You can also find us in social media, so be sure and like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break, and of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. So be sure and follow. And here is our interview with Meredith Matthews. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Meredith Matthews, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. Excited to talk to you about your work. And again, um, I believe that you recently uh, wrapped up your BFA experience at Eastern Oregon University. Again, you were selected by uh, Tim Kowalczyk, who is their juror for the uh, student competition that we just kind of closed in, in May. So again, super excited to have you on and to talk about your work. Yes, thank you. I, I love learning about people's uh, backgrounds, and I'm especially interested in seeing all the, the drawing and all the kind of nature, kind of figurative kind of elements and, and animal kind of stuff and themes in your work. You know, are you kind of from that Oregon area in terms of your background? Very much so. I'm the fifth of five generations who have lived in the Grand Ronde Valley. So it's just that just this place is very much a part of me. And I have sort of this like really close familial um, relationship with the places around here. And I would imagine then that just nature in general, I mean, again, not to be too obvious, but I've grown up in the suburbs and, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe lived in some more remote areas, but, you know, to kind of grow up, I'm assuming just kind of immersed in landscape is pretty impactful, or at least it looks like obviously in terms of your work too. Yes. And, you know, it's largely agricultural and then it's surrounded by forests. And so I can drive, you know, 10 minutes and be in the woods and 
that definitely had an impact and still does on the sort of work that I'm making. Because of that, I spent a lot of my childhood outside and largely by myself, which was sort of unique to only child. So <laughs> it's interesting to think about like all those different kind of experiences that people come from, because I've talked to plenty of artists that kind of grew up in that same way. They're like, you know, like when it's dark or like pitch black is when they come back in, you know, uh-huh. were you somebody that was uh, drawing and, and making artwork when you were young then too? Yeah, I've always really loved to draw. My mom was always really crafty and had me doing all kinds of craft projects and and stuff like that. So it was always like part of the sort of makeup of my childhood. And then my grandparents were photographers also. And that sort of, you know, it's like art was always just around. Was there any particular subjects that you were interested in 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 terms of, you know, like drawing as a kid? I mean, again, I I feel like I was into spaceships quite a bit uh, early on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I drew a lot of bugs. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of detail yeah. in, in some of your work, so I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I actually would like go out and catch bugs and then keep them as pets like over the summer, mm-hmm. like <laughs> praying mantises, you know, and I'd have them and like in my room and then like would catch grasshoppers and feed them to it and sort of just watch that whole sort of process. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so given your background and your experiences, I'm assuming that, you know, then like kind of pursuing art or like some art kind of thing was maybe things that people encouraged in your in your uh, family? Somewhat. I always thought that I was going to end up like in the biological sciences, honestly, because I love nature so much and I loved animals and insects and all the sort of weird things that people don't always love, you know? Mm-hmm. Praying mantises aren't necessarily at the top of the list of great loves of things, I mean, I love Steve Irwin and that whole just idea and all that. And art was just sort of there. Like Mm -hmm. it was something that I could do, but it wasn't, it's not like at the top of like the career (laughs) list, you know, (laughs) like get a degree in art and have, you know, and make millions. Yeah. And so that was always a concern for my parents. I got a scholarship was really what started me getting a degree in art coming out of high school, Union High School. I had two high school teachers who really encouraged me and art and encouraged me to apply for the scholarship at Eastern Oregon University. And I won that scholarship. And that was sort of the impetus, which really got me going. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And did you have experience like with a lot of different media in in terms of your high school? Because again, I'm curious, you know, especially when I see printmakers, uh, what kind of facilities or when that started, or, you know, you mentioned that your grandparents were photographers. So you know, it's it's interesting to think about all the various media that one explores when Mm -hmm. you're kind of starting out. Yeah, we did a lot of different things in high school. I mean, the facilities were really minimal. My main high school teacher, Jamie Gustafson, she really pushed and had us do a lot of different things. And, you know, it was little tiny lino blocks that we'd cut and then we'd hand print and we did painting and screen printing. And so she really, it was creative and finding ways of like having us explore all these mediums without very much in terms of like grand facilities or anything like that. And I'm assuming that allowed you to build a really nice portfolio to get that scholarship then with. Yep, it really did. Yeah. Well, and so what was that like in terms of starting that? You know, again, you're kind of describing a couple of minutes ago that maybe you thought you were going to go into something more practical. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, was it a, an immediate thing when you started college to, to pursue art then? Well, you had to be a major in order to um, get the scholarship. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was a double major. Well, I I took a long time in college to graduate, but when I started out, I was a double major in art and pre-veterinary medicine. So I realized about three years in that I was not meant to be a veterinarian. (laughs) (laughs) And so I changed that 
major to just biology. And then eventually that double major in biology became a minor in biology. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a minor in biology. And then I also have a minor in history and a minor in theater. So wow. <laughs> I I just kept rolling and just started trying to collect all those minors. But it, it was good. I mean, it was really diverse and all. So yeah, I would imagine again, I mean, just especially kind of thinking about like the, the width of your work, or at least, you know, what, what I've checked out, uh, you know, on your Instagram, there's so many different, I guess, modes, you know, so like, it's Mm -hmm. kind of exciting to think about how that could all feed into, you know, your interests and, you know, pursuing them. I'm assuming then that, you know, a lot of those uh, printmaking techniques and other mixed media things were things that you dove into in terms of starting starting that undergraduate degree in art anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started with drawing in college and just sort of kept going with that. And then I had a really great printmaking teacher and she really, it was sort of like the plethora of everything. And there was something about thinking, like the layered thinking that you have to do to print make. Mm-hmm. Just like, I really like that. You know, and then that shows up later in sort of my installations where it's like I view them as like this layer that's expanding from the wall. And so you think about layers and it's also biology, you know, like you have the layer of this and then, the you know, all these like the layers of an ecosystem that sort of just stack on top of each other and then all sort of. connect. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting for sure. And again, I, I like the way, especially, you know, in some of those pieces, the way that you kind of incorporate all these different media. So. You know, you've talked a little bit about drawing and and some printmaking. I'm curious, especially at the start of it, was it still like kind of primarily, you know, kind of exploring ideas of, you know, figurative things or, you know, nature or I kind of like to kind of think about it like relative to like, you know, was it something where when you started, it just kind of got expanded on in terms of that, you know, final work that you just completed? I think that's what it was. Or it feels still like I'm making work that's all sort of about it's like this real common theme. And it just sort of are all these branches coming off from that. And it's all sort of just slowly moving forward. And I took a life drawing class. And that was really like this moment where I just went, okay, this is interesting. Like I get this and I feel that I have something to say. And it was this double self-portrait assignment where you had to have like the figures interacting in some like contrary way. Mm-hmm. And that was the piece where I'm stitching myself while also preparing to cut myself open again. And my mending's itch. There is nothing to do. I shall be good as new. And it was really that that just sort of clicked. Like it's all these versions of yourself, all these layers, and they all interact in all these different ways. And and then that just sort of, it, I mean, it really just kept snowballing from there. That's a really interesting piece to kind of think about relative to, you know, kind of maybe moving beyond where you started. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's one of the things that's interesting about your work too, is that there, you know, certainly could be room for like an interpretation in like narratives or, you know, maybe some viewers might start kind of creating stories or, you know, trying to wonder what's going on in these. So again, it's interesting to think about that. And even kind of going, you know, maybe back to that work, there's another piece from around that time called the stones. That's actually kind of Mm -hmm. really intriguing as well, which looks like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you could descri- <laughs> I'll let you describe it. <laughs> that was actually the um, final assignment for that same life drawing class. So the so it was a sort of the second version of that same idea. And it was just, I finally came to this conclusion with my, my final work, like in the last, you know, year or so that I live with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea that it's like, I really only have this one body, but gosh, I would like to, you know, just get rid of parts of it and change them out and make it work. 
And it was sort of that realization that I really, you really can't do that. I mean, you can to a degree, but you really only get this, this one, you know, sack of flesh, and you have to make it work. And so looking back at my work, even five years ago, that's what I was doing, even though I didn't really realize that's what I was doing. And so in the stones, it's sort of like me watching myself want to change these parts, and then the pile in this sort of really theatrical sort of setting, where I'm the viewer, the patient, and this doctor figure with a saw ready to just cut apart, you know, and then these sort of failed versions off in the corner. And then the title is taken from Sylvia Plath, and it's a section of her poem that's called Poem for a Birthday. So like that idea of regeneration and this idea that you can't, you can't change these parts, you know. And it's this last section where she's talking, just going from memory here, where it's like she's lying on this stone anvil and these people are coming and trying to make her work, you know, and of course she won't. I think that's really what that work was about. Well, and so one thing that I'm kind of curious and well, plenty of things that I'm curious about. So, (laughs) but, you know, especially in some of these kind of maybe works from a number of years ago, you know, how much of these are kind of like informed from, you know, photographs or, you know, imagined compositions? Because I could imagine like, you know, part of them being obviously maybe aided from the help of a photograph, you know, especially Mm -hmm. working through portraits, but then like the you know, the interior for these, uh, the stones piece, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if that's like based off of like a photo source and then you're kind of adding the figural elements to it. That's largely how I work. And the interesting thing about the stones is that that's a real historical operating theater in London. And I actually got to visit that last year and like sit in that spot and look out at the thing that I had drawn four years earlier. And that was really sort of this interesting, it was like worlds colliding, but all just my own, you know, like no one else realized it. So, and I think one of the things that's interesting too, and especially, you know, thinking about, you know, how work shifts and and when you look back at it, you know, what things kind of link up, but there's kind of almost like this surrealist kind of abstract quality about your work. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because you can kind of see that, you know, kind of all the way through in terms of different resolutions, you know, and again, maybe another piece from around that time might, might be interesting to talk about is, uh, this is not death, which again, looks like another one of these double self portraits. Yep. That one was for um, another class with the same life drawing professor. He, He gave me so many assignments that were just like, got my brain going. So I really am grateful for that. You know, it's like, I have this roll of images in my head at any one time. And it's like, I don't really know where they all come from. Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of they're going and then it's like I land on something and I go, this is the one I want to make today or want to conquer. And then, you know, the other however many just sit back there and just wait for the right moment. It was just this idea that there's all these this stuff inside, you know, and ravens thinking, you know, biologically and then mythologically, they're really smart and clever and they're tricksters and a lot of myths where they, you know, trick humans into getting what they want. Obviously it's going to feel good to have all these things finally get out, you know, Mm -hmm. because obviously this other figure is, you know, it's not death and something else is going to come after, but it's like, 
was it really my decision or was it all these little, these dark birds inside that made that choice for me? Some of this earlier figurative kind of work makes me kind of wonder too, like we were just talking about maybe the way that you kind of incorporate, you know, photographs of places to kind of come up with your compositions is, you know, you mentioned Sylvia Plath. I'm, I'm wondering if, you mm-hmm. know, writing about your work is also something that you use as a way to kind of visualize what it is that you want to do or, or plan it out. Sometimes, a lot of the times I um, really fixate on words or lines from, you know, like plays or poetry. Mm-hmm. I, I never feel like I'm necessarily illustrating like to those lines, but they often end up as the title just because it's like, that's what my brain is settled on. And mm-hmm. then a lot of the time it's like, those are the words that fit whatever image that I've had in my head even before I've read those words. And so it's sort of this meeting in this sort of weird gray space, and then they just sort of like gel together. Yeah, and you kind of, it all just kind of comes together when it all comes together. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about some of your, you know, just interest in biology and, you know, poetry. And I'm especially curious, you know, like as you're kind of, starting to kind of come into your own as you're studying, are there artists that you're looking at and really kind of admiring and thinking like, oh, how could I, you know, put this type of idea in my work or how could I further, you know, this concept? Um, I think Christine Borland is one that I've just sort of like fixated on in the last like few months. And like her use of materials is just sort of mind blowing to me. Like, like I'm thinking of like her bone China works that are like cast as like human bone and that just like the connection between like a physical object and then like material. So these sort of connections that are happening there. And I think that's something that I could move toward or like do better than I am now because I just, it's like, I've just now started using like these real objects in my work. And before it was all just sort of drawn representation and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so just really melding like visual with material with idea is something I'm interested in and doing. Well, and obviously too, a lot of experimentation. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, when did you start kind of, you know, moving away from just more traditional, like you're just describing drawing and and printmaking to kind of start, you know, doing more installations and, and kind of working on the wall. It was about two years ago that I did like my first sort of like installation that was away from the wall. And that was, if all these Southern tales are true, that piece where there's this layered figure is sort of, cut out of styrofoam. And then that's when I was making all these starlings. And it's still very layered. Like it it felt like I just took this, this flat image and then just sort of expanded it out. Sort of like one of those science books where you like peel away like the layers of the body or something like Mm -hmm. with each page and it's cut out. My drawings had kept getting bigger at that point. And it's like, I don't know how much more I can manage because they're all about life size. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, okay, (laughs) I can still do all these tiny, like manageable things, but just make like 200 of them and then make this huge work out of all these little pieces. And so that was good because it was like, then I can like just like a lot of those starlings from that piece ended up in the the murmuration that was on where it was just starlings on the wall. There like something that's interesting about the challenge of kind of being able to edit this differently than say like a drawing, you know, again, some of the drawings that we were just talking about a few minutes ago, you know, super realistic and look like they have a lot of time kind of put into them. So to kind of have these, you know, life-size bird cutouts and then, you know, time to kind of manipulate them. Is that something that, you know, is interesting in terms of just a challenge of kind of like dealing with that space or definitely like with my drawings, I, I start with the final image in mind, you know, and then just sort of extrapolate back from what, like if I need to take 
you know, set up photographs or figure out, you know, and then sort of do this digital collage where it's like, I have the final image set and then I just draw from that final image. And then with these installations, there's like that final image is sort of this hazy gray thing because it's like, okay, I want it to sort of look like this. But then when you start putting it up, of course, more changes in installing something like that than in like a drawing, just space considerations and, oh, these tacks won't hold this thing up, (laughs) you know, sure, sure. This doesn't look right, you know, and then just, I think knowing when you're finished with an installation like that is harder. I mean, you know, when you're through drawing for the most part, like it's finished, it's all filled in, it looks good. But with this installation, it's, I mean, some of them technically could just keep going forever. And so learning that endpoint, whether it's just sort of like me knowing when it's done, like get that sort of gut thing, like no more, or it's like you run out of room or whatever. That was difficult for me to learn. It sounds like you kind of have, at least with the you know flat work, that you've got like a very specific idea in your head of what it's supposed to look like. So kind of having something that's maybe not as defined, you know, it could be something <laughs> a little bit more challenging or different. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. Is is there any kind of like preliminary sketching or anything that helps you kind of plan anything? Or do you kind of like to work with that, that image in your head and then kind of just working with that intuition? I do some sketches, but it really sort of evolves like as it goes, like with that, if all these Southern tales are true piece, I knew I wanted to make like this hanging murmuration. And then somewhere like a quarter of the way through, I realized I want to put this figure in there. And then it's like, how do I do that? And so, you know, I got these styrofoam pieces and then, you know, cut the silhouette out of them. And like, that was the material that worked. You know, I've used paper was always my go-to, but paper wasn't going to work in that situation. And so it's not like this huge shift, but for me it was, you know, instead of drawing this really realistic figure and just cutting the silhouette out of styrofoam was, that was a big step for me. <laughs> just, sure. Cause I'd been so tied to that really detailed realism and then just sort of letting that go and letting it be a little messy and like this is the first time I've ever done this and then being okay with that that was a a shift from personal experience I think maybe I did a handful of installation works and quickly realized like not only is this challenging but you know feeling self-conscious that maybe you know Uh there's people that can do this better than me so again I think yeah you know to kind of do that make sense because there's so many different media that you use and, you know, easily can kind of help, you know, expand what you're doing with, you know, the flat work or the works on paper or things like that. Yeah. And just one other thing that I had to learn too, is that it's like, you have to edit your available material because when you start an installation, it's really like you have the whole plethora of everything that you could technically throw at something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, these things are not going to work for this, even though they're very cool and shiny. And, you know, it's like, put them aside and then just focus on these materials or what feel right. And then think about those shiny things for later. And that was a learning process too, for me, because it was like, I have charcoal and a pencil and that's all I need. And then it was like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it seems like kind of working through some of the other series that you have, or, you know, maybe some of the other explorations kind of help guide that too, because there's a number of these long format kind of vertical mixed media pieces where it looks like there's like a figure, there's usually something like hovering over the figure and then some sort of found material. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, there's one called Once I Was Ordinary, which I I think has snake skin, if I'm not mistaken in it. So, Mm -hmm. So is that kind of like 
also helpful in terms of kind of figuring out what materials you might start to kind of incorporate into a larger installation, like to explore it in this, you know, kind of singular kind of piece and then think about like, oh, like I could incorporate snakeskin or feathers or. Yeah. And those pieces were made at sort of the end of last year and the beginning of this year. And they were sort of concurrent with my final installation that I installed in the garage. And so it was this this moment of like real material expansion. And so those for me was sort of like just finding this one object and then thinking of other things that relate to that one object. And so it was like taking a moment out of that large installation. I am not what I might be. And then making like a single piece because I used a lot of other materials in that installation too, like real bird wings and owl pellets and whatnot. And so that series of three was just like taking moments out of that. Well, so, you know, we, we talked a little bit about some of the things that you were doing earlier on, and as you were kind of just describing some of the later work that kind of led to your thesis, you know, what did you decide to kind of like change up so that it would maybe have more of a, a focus, I guess, you know, because, again, that's kind of one of the, you know, challenges, especially of like, you know, even if it's you know going to have, and especially this year, I'm assuming very challenging just because of everything that's happened, mm-hmm. but to kind of think about like, okay, how am I going to like bring this all together into like a a body of work or an installation? I think the beginning of this last installation, I am not what I might be started at really my junior show. Cause you have to sort of, it's like you work toward a piece in that one too. And then you have a group show and that was, this is the silence of astounded souls. There's only the moon embalmed in phosphorus. It was like the biggest thing I'd made up until that point, which was like this giant wall drawing. And it was really, it started to feel more environmental Like there's a figure in a space, you know, whatever that space is with sort of these drippy trees and whatnot. And that's when I started working on Duralar. It was all India ink on Duralar at that point. So it was one material and then this new material. And I was basically doing what I had been doing in charcoal, which is these really, you know, detailed drawings. And I just did the same thing in ink on this more durable material that let me sort of cut out all these pieces and then rearrange them. And so it was like, I was still drawing, but then having sort of all these movable parts, like it wasn't fixed in this space of the paper. And so the wall became my paper. And that's where I sort of ended like my junior year. And then it was the summer. And then you're going to come in at senior year and then make this new thing. And I was really drained. And it was like, I've made the best work I've ever going to make. It's this right here. (laughs) And then I had the summer. And over the summer, I spent a month in the UK and Ireland and interacting with that environment, you know, having just made this piece and this very sort of the beginnings of some weird environment with these burned out ink trees, something really sort of started to click for me, you know, the, the basalt and the fog and the ocean and bogs and really old stuff. I mean, things are old in America, but we don't really view them as being like equally as old. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, <laughs> we won't go into that. <laughs> and it was this really visceral sort of reaction to that different environment. And it was, I did a lot of that travel by myself. You know, I stayed with family over there for some of it. And we did some of it together. But being by myself in that space was also this real sort of visceral reaction. And I came back senior year really not wanting to do anything, having just been there and like, I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. with art. <laughs> and it took a a lot of process to sort of like just think about what I had just been doing, you know, and I started drawing cliffs on charcoal Mm -hmm. on paper, just 
some like disembodied cliffs. Like I, I, from my photographs, I take a photograph and then outline just the rock and then plunk it on paper and they sized up to Duralar. So like what I was doing with the ink drip trees, I took those cliffs on a Duralar and that I started using all these new materials on the Duralar. So it wasn't just India ink anymore. It was watercolor and salt water and gouache and acrylic and all these things. And so I had all these cliff pieces thinking I'd make this installation and it really didn't look all that great. And I really didn't like it, <laughs> but I had all these, had all these pieces, you know, and I'm like, okay, what do I do with them? And that just sort of evolved and it's like I really want the figure in there and so I made some figures using the same materials on the Duralar and then I thought about real materials like you know instead of just drawing birds what are what other weird bird things are there and it's like well their feet sort of look like little dinosaur things and they're really weird <laughs> and owl pellets are you know like just the idea of an owl pellet is is strange you know it's like this bird hairball <laughs> I mean it's this waste product after all the the good has been sucked out, you know, and it's this little compressed ball of fur and bone. And then thinking about the body and how, you know, the spine crushes and all these things sort of just together. And then just those similar processes, you know, like rock compressing and bones compressing and this owl pellet compressing. And I just sort of using all those materials together, plus all these cliff duralar pieces that I had. And that's really sort of what I came to in the installation, just sort of just sticking everything together and trying like that was the solution, you know, just combining all these things. Well, it's interesting to me to think about how like the texture is so apparent in a lot of the drawn work, you know, and even like the cliffs, it really kind of mirrors the the texture that you get by kind of exploring some of these different materials. Like you were just talking about like the Duralar. I'm not at all familiar with using these. How did you describe it? Salt? What? Duralar is like this really plasticky um, material that absorbs water. And so any water media, and it was like, I mean, some of them just peeled right off. And so it was really this, and I was just like, okay, you know, so some of it's like peeling and I'm like, that's, that's fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not precious to me. <laughs> right. But that materiality seems so fitting for both, you know, the, mm -hmm. the drawn things that are supposed to be representational and then, you know, some of the, you know, various explorations. Um, and again, I'm on your Instagram. Uh, it's M-E-R-E-S-I-1919. So again, that's the handle. But, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of little experimentations that you see or at least maybe parts of, you know, different projects where you've got, you know, salt water and India ink and you know, again, you're seeing these lovely surfaces that mimic, mm -hmm. you know, oceans. And then at the same time, like cliffs, you know, like, I mean, again, the, the textures are so kind of interesting in and of themselves. Yeah, that was really interesting to me as well. Like learning how all these sort of materials interact or, you know, don't interact. Mm -hmm. And just that exploration of the surface texture, you know, like if I paint this strip of acrylic or even latex like house paint and then put watercolor like over the top and just sort of get it all wet again and how it breaks down and bleeds apart. And it was sort of like getting fascinated in sort of that little microcosm like of these, because I mean, they're, some of them are like, you know, 20 feet long and just spending that time like on this one area of it and then just sort of absorbing myself into that also sort of felt like this little biological study, you know, like oh, combine this into this environment and then add some more water and then let it dry for six hours and come back. <laughs> so, well, and again, that's, it's interesting too, because then it sounds like by kind of exploring so many different processes, you kind of 
can jump around to things. So when they get really stale and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with this, then you can jump onto something else. And I'm curious, like, is that something where like some of the drawings that are kind of up around the same time, it looks like maybe are those, you know, pieces that were kind of shown or kind of separate from the installation. And again, just to make sure I get it right, this is the installation. I am not what I might be. I did the drawing um, eruption around that same time. And that was, it was sort of like a little, a personal moment. Like I, w- I wasn't thinking that it would be included like in the show because it was so different than what I was doing with the installation and even those sort of the three layer stack pieces. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like, can I still do these drawings? You know, it had been like four years since I had done one. And it was like, I mean, you sort of get this idea that like, I haven't drawn this really realistic charcoal drawing in four years. Is it even, you know, like, do I even still have this skill or, or whatever? And so that was like a piece that was like, just for me, which sort of felt nice. Like it wasn't to fulfill an assignment necessarily. It was just like, can I still think this way? Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of, it was refreshing to go, okay, I still can, (laughs) (laughs) or at least I think I can, you know what I mean? I could imagine it'd be interesting to help think about, you know, the context for the exhibition as well, because you know, the figurative element, you know, people might associate that as a standard for you or even just if it's, you know, not literal, but, you know, just some kind of thing that they can imagine themselves mm-hmm. in this environment. And then they recognize the rest of the environmental aspects. Oh, that's like a tree. You know, these are feathers, you know, and it starts to kind of build that sense of like a wonderment, I guess, maybe in terms of the uh, installation. I think just for me, too, it was sort of it was that sense of me like interacting with these things and putting them together and being sort of curious about them and, you know, amazed like at how they were fitting together and just sort of that too. So I'm, you know, I'm glad that there's a sense of that. They kind of become, you know, somewhat familiar when you kind of recognize materials, but again, it almost looks like a big blow up of one of, you know, the material explorations in terms of this, this piece. And again, it's massive. It's like 13 feet by 10. (laughs) Yeah. So a little ambitious maybe. (laughs) Yes. Well, and it was funny because in the, it was in the gallery that it was supposed to be installed at my university, it was even, it was going to be like more like 30 feet. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was thinking that big, like I'm going to have this over here and then this, and I'm going to have this, you know, it was going to come out further from the wall and I might like put some you know, just really go for it and then just throw all this stuff together and see how it works. And so I had to like edit my brain space, like, okay, you're not going to get all of this in here this time. I mean, it was like balancing the the disappointment of, you know, like thinking, having to think smaller, not having to show everything sort of devolving in the world mm-hmm. and then going, but I still can put it up. And so, you know, all of that just sort of compiled. And, you know, in thinking about like the, the piece itself, I'm again, assuming that maybe, you know, you obviously couldn't have like a massive reception for it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully people were able to kind of see it, you know, safely, but, um, you know, it's interesting because like I was saying earlier, like there's a lot of, you know, maybe narrative elements in your work or, you know, kind of surrealist elements in terms of the way some of these things kind of combine, you know, do you have any real expectations in terms of like what people are kind of getting out of this? Obviously I'm assuming people know, you know, what you're interested in and some previous kind of works. But again, it's just amazing to me because, you know, when we go into this piece, there's so many different materials and they kind of gel so, so well, but then they kind of don't look necessarily super specific, or at least maybe it's hard to glean that from, you know, the, the images anyways. Like I wasn't thinking of anything specific either, like putting it up. I try not to like tell people to feel a certain way, or I don't necessarily expect them to, because honestly, a lot of the time I'm not even sure how I feel 
like doing things that just sort of needs to happen. And so it happens. And I usually end up processing it, you know, like a year later or something. And I think with this, it really, it really is this sort of fantasy space. I view it as sort of like the, the interior, like when you're in, when you're in pain, it sort of becomes its own space. Mm -hmm. And that's really what this place is like from my perspective, like it's the little pain world that I have inside me at all times where sometimes you just end up living all the time and it's weird and it has all these textures and there's birds there. And then there's these, there's stretch, you know, like pulled fabric and twisted whatever. And, and it is weird and fantastical and all these things. And it doesn't necessarily, it like makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. Did, did you spend a lot of time in the space? I'm, I'm curious just cause you know, it's one of the things that I talked to somebody recently about is like uh, Kate Kaminsky was talking about how she had to install a show that was really ambitious. And then literally it was like had to be taken down the next day or something. So I'd imagine maybe it would be just kind of like an interesting place to, to sit and think about your work or maybe work uh, in and of itself. Because it was in my garage, I had like, you know, I had a really long time to put it up because of how dates have changed and all time sort of lost meaning. Um <laughs> mm-hmm this last term and it was like over the course of several weeks that I was installing it. And I think that just that slow pace that I had really made it better than it would have been otherwise. I mean, you can, you can connect a lot of dots, like when you have a deadline and you have to work quickly, but then you can always look at it and go, Oh gosh, you know, I really could have done this differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was kind of grateful for that longer period of time. And then I was able to leave it up on my garage wall for, weeks after you know it felt like it was done so that was good too well so in terms of uh what's come after i'm I'm curious i mean again as we were talking about very early this is kind of like the most bizarre uh teaching environment that i've ever been in or you know certainly i'm imagining for students you know as well yeah but what's it been like then since since the end of this have you been able to kind of keep finding stuff to work through and and make i honestly haven't been making much of anything it's like I've just been really drained. Mm-hmm. I've been home and it's like instead of being encouraged to like be stuck here and work, it's like I don't want to. Like it's it's like the opposite of what I'm supposed to be feeling or what the world is supposed to be, you know, telling me to feel like learn a language, you know, you're home sure. all the time. It's like I don't it, I don't know. It's just weird. And then coming off, it's like graduate, you know, you're you get a degree, but there's no graduation. You complete a BFA, but there's no show. And it's sort of this weird gray space where you go, did I really finish? Right. Do I still need to, to make something for this deadline? And it's like, it's all just sort of, I, I feel really drained, like creatively and just sort of physically coming off of that. Like there's no closure to the next thing. And then I started applying for graduate school because I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> what you do when you're tired. And so that's what I've been doing the last two and a half months since I finished but didn't feel like I finished. It's not all uncommon for people to spend all their energy, you know, working you know, hard for years on a show and then got to be so surreal to have it feel like it didn't end, you know, or like, yeah. you know, you're kind of waiting for that to arrive. But I'm imagining again that, you know, continuing to explore, you know, the, a variety of these different installations or drawing, you know, I'm imagining again, there'd be pl- plenty of interesting things to kind of explore in, in graduate school then. 
I mean, I have ideas. It's just like, I just don't have the, like the space to like start conquering them yet or tackling them or anything like that. And I think I've, I've been in school for so long that it's like, I've, I've learned to really need that assignment deadline, like Mm -hmm. not necessarily like the structure of an assignment, but like a deadline. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Like to get started. Um, Well, and that's, hard right now because like, you know, a lot of exhibition spaces have to, Mm -hmm. you know, change their, you know, their show schedule or, you know, maybe they're just canceling for a long time. So that makes it difficult too. Cause uh, you know, I think that's a great encouragement for any artist is having a deadline, right? (laughs) It's interesting to kind of check in and see all your work. And, you know, before we end officially, I want to make sure that people know where to, to see what you're working on and, and, you know, know what's coming up in your future. So where's the best place to check out your work? The best place to check out my work is my Instagram, which is the handle M-E-R-E-S-I-1919. And I'm also designing a screen print for our local art center here in La Grande, which is Art Center East, which is shortened to ACE. And they are also on Instagram. Well, again, thanks so much. It's been great talking to you about your work and, and learning more about it. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thanks once again to Meredith for joining me. Be sure and follow her and her work. See what's going on at M-E-R-E-S-I-1919 on Instagram. And also be sure and follow Art Center East in La Grande. If you enjoyed today's episode, go and visit studiobreak.com. As I said earlier, there are a ton of recent interviews that are worth listening, especially while you're working in the studio. Give yourself some things to think about. So go to studiobreak.com. Again, each of our posts have images of the artist's work and links to their websites. You can listen right there in the default player, or you can just subscribe and then make your life really simple. So you always get an update when there's a new podcast. So be sure to do that. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google. So be sure and check that out. You can also do a huge favor, earn yourself some karma points by spreading the word about Studio Break. So if you like this podcast, let others know about it. You can rate and review it, which would be helpful. And of course, share on social media and follow for goodness sake. Give a like to our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and of course on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. I do want to thank Skylar Mail. He provides the music to Studio Break and makes awesome artwork. Check it out at SkylarMail.net. If you want to see some of my paintings, go and visit DavidLinaway.com. And, of course, be sure to say hello on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter at David Linaway. Just a couple of quick shout-outs before we take off. I want to thank Mitch Mitchell and Penny Otwell for your recent messages. I'm glad that you're enjoying the podcast and you've got stuff to listen to in the future. Always great hearing from listeners, so thanks. And I hope that everybody enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. I wish you a productive studio. We'll talk to you real soon.